1: Carriker and Smallman started in May of 2020 in the midst of the pandemic and no sports happening. So we had to create some content. We had to come up with some ideas. Right now, there's a lockout in Major League Baseball and there are no name and image likenesses on MLB.com. Greg Amsinger and the crew at MLB Network are very limited as to what they can do in terms of name image likeness. Greg joins us now on 101 ESPN. Via the Broad and Croup and Celebrity Line. First of all, good morning, sir. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing well. It's 35 degrees, so I'm not playing golf. I could be better. But um, other than that, I'm doing great. I like where you're going, though. What are you getting at here? It's
1: content creation. I want to know are you coming up with a lot of ideas, and is it actually kind of fun?
0: Yes. A, I actually enjoy that part of the job. I've always said I, I, I approach my line of work like a producer. My favorite moment of the day during the the summer is having a production meeting, throwing stuff against the wall, see what sticks. Uh, We prepare for all the games to be boring, and hopefully you leave all these great ideas on the cutting room floor. uh, Because there's a no hitter, or there's a guy looking for his third home run tonight, and you have to go to live looks. But in a moment like this. We are having a daily think tank to come up with content. Uh, for example, on Monday, I'll be doing the Top 100 Draft Prospects show. So these are the top kids that are seniors in high school right now, juniors in college, some sophomores in college, who could be in the mix to be first-round picks in the uh, MLB draft, which is in the summer, which is a ways away. But we can obviously show video of these young men, interview these young men. Uh, that's content for us. Tom Verducci came up with an outstanding idea that I think is going to come together, Uh, fingers crossed, that would lead into January's Hall of Fame election announcement with the BBWAA. And that that is this. You guys would get into this. So MVP and Cy Young hasn't been handed out regularly since the 1950s. Why don't we go back and year by year, have some members of the BBWAA. We anoint different voters for this, just like they do with the BBWAA, and we give you the finalists for the 1938 AL MVP and Cy Young. I love that we idea. Their numbers, and we announce we announce who the MVP and Cy Young of those seasons would be. How great would that be? So hopefully that comes to fruition. And Greg, that sounds super fun, but hopefully we have you talking about players and games and matchups sooner rather than later. And I know no one really knows how this is going to play out, but you obviously run in circles with a lot of very informed people. So what are you hearing about when this lockout could end? Well, you know, the great thing about this negotiation um, compared to previous labor stoppages, which we always love to compare to, uh, Zoom didn't exist back then. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> that that is important because the technology we have today means the two sides are interacting with each other often daily. I mean, it's happening a lot and because they're not in person, they're not in the same hotel, which is of course, when the deadline expired, they were all in Arlington. Uh, That's reported. You have droves and media go and follow Tony Clark, follow uh, the commissioner and, and because they're not meeting in person, we think nothing's happening, but thanks to technology, There is a lot of dialogue, and to me, that's reassuring. I really don't believe we're going to miss a game of the regular season. I don't think we are. Are we going to have an entirely expanded, full-throttle spring training? That remains to be seen. There are issues that are hard-line for both sides, and they are not going to bend. At least that's where we're standing right now. But the dialogue and how much back-and-forth there is right now, to me, is a great sign that a deal will inevitably get done.
1: I was uh, thrilled for Jim Cott getting into the Hall of Fame. I'm sure you guys did a lot on this with what's going on. I, I know Jim fairly well, but uh, long overdue in my
0: opinion, Greg. He's outstanding. He's a Hall of Fame man. And, and there are a couple guys to me. I mean, Buck O'Neill, who's just a trailblazer, uh, getting in. Um, unfortunately, after he's passed away, so many people loved him. Uh, but to, to see someone like Jim Cott, Gil Hodges, you know those three guys specifically, Hall of Fame men. Th- their lives committed to baseball in in multiple facets. And, and Jim, I mean, my goodness, to me, he should have been the Hall of Fame as a broadcaster years ago. He's outstanding calling games. Uh, I I love the guy, dear friend. One of the most incredible stories of Jim Cot. And and, and you, sometimes you need to be reminded how great these older men are as athletes. How incredible! He's sixteen gold gloves. And he wasn't a little guy like Greg Maddox. He's a big, strapping, six foot three, six foot four guy, bouncing off the mound like a cat, hence the name Kitty. And to shoot a seventy-five on your seventy-fifth birthday, <laughs> left-handed and right-handed—I'm sorry—he shot a seventy-five left-handed and right-handed on his seventy-fifth birthday. It's one of the most incredible athletic achievements I've ever heard of. Uh, I talk to him every time I see him about it. Great guy. I was happy to see Gil Hodges get in, Tony Oliva, Minnie Minoso. I mean, long overdue Hall of Famers. I think they got it right. Okay, Greg,
1: 1938, Jimmy Fox playing with the Red Sox had a 1.166 OPS, 50 homers, 170 RBIs, and he hit 349. But Hank Greenberg with the Tigers hit 315, a 1.122 OPS. But Greenberg had 58 and 147. Now, You also had Rudy York from Detroit who had 33 and 126. I wonder if Greenberg and York might take votes away from each other and hand the 1938 MVP to Jimmy Fox. And, oh, by the way, the Yankees finished nine and a half games ahead of everybody. Their best player was DiMaggio. So he probably gets a little uh, bump there, too.
0: Yes. And may I remind you, we have to channel the minds of the writers at the time, right? Right. So they valued stuff like grittiness, a guy that played every day. There were MVPs that you could scratch your head on and be like, what? I mean, it, it's not as black and white, look at a spreadsheet, here's your MVP, as it is today. That's how we, we, we look at numbers and go, oh, the narrative matters. One of my favorite uh, MVP finalists, and this is not going way back in the, in the time capsule, Larry Boa finished in the top three one year for, for MVP. And Larry Boa maybe had three mm-hmm. home runs that season. But if you followed the Phillies every day, you saw the immense value with someone like Larry Boa. Ozzy Smith had many MVP votes throughout his career, and he wasn't going to lead the league in slugging ever. I mean, to me, these are things that matter. And I know we want to vote based on OPS, OPS+, plus all that stuff. But if we – I think you're into the show, Randy. I think you would love to be part oh, of this, this show. This is awesome. It's awesome, right? Uh, We could dive into it, but also include the mindset of that era of baseball. Because, you know, if you're a slugger uh, hitting cleanup for your respective team, you're not taking a pitch that's maybe a half inch up in the zone to increase your on-base percentage. You were paid to drive in runs. You could have cared less what your on-base percentage was in 1938. It was a different mindset. So I I think we have to – go through it from that prism and it would be a fun project to execute.
1: And by the way, one of the all-time great debates. We had the debate a few years ago because we had analytics between Miguel Cabrera who won the triple crown and yeah. Mike Trout and people were saying, well, Cabrera won the the triple crown, he's got to win the MVP. 1941, Ted Williams wins the triple crown, 37 homers, <laughs> 100 and, uh let's see, 120 RBIs, tied for the RBI lead and hit 406. Hit 406, but DiMaggio, who had the 56 game hitting streak, he won the MVP.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, it's because he did something we had never seen before, and that was more valuable. Uh, to me, I think they got it right. DiMaggio, with that, he captivated the nation with that hitting streak. If you go back and watch anything regarding Joe DiMaggio's hitting streak, it was the only thing people were talking about coast to coast. How long can he do it? Every newspaper article was about it in the sports page. So, you know, that, that is extremely valuable, and I'm okay with a narrative reigning supreme in a conversation for most valuable players. Maybe.
1: I'll tell you this. Greg, maybe my favorite interview that I've ever done was with Ted Williams, and I asked him about that specifically. I said, if you would have been playing in New York and DiMaggio would have been playing in Boston, would you have won the MVP?" He said, oh, no doubt about it. No doubt that I would have won (laughs) if
0: I would have been playing in New York. Well, yeah, but playing in New York, With all that pressure. I mean, Ted Williams did not get along with the media in Boston. And and Boston loved Boston, but it's not exactly that powerhouse media market of New York. So if he couldn't get along with the friends in Boston, would he have hit a triple crown? Would he have the triple crown being irritated on a daily basis by, you know, 30% more media members every day at his locker in New York? Who knows? You know, things change. DiMaggio. Wore it well. He, he, he loved the limelight, and he really enjoyed the attention he got during that hitting streak. So the egos and all the things that kind of irritate athletes, it all goes into it, man. It really does. But I want to say this. I'm still upset that Sal Perez wasn't an AL MVP finalist. I, I thought I agree. he deserved it over Marcus Simeon. Marcus Simeon wasn't the MVP of his own team. We all knew that going in. So how can you be the MVP of your league? I think Sal Perez knew for the the only chance his team had to win was him catch every day, and and catch at a Gold Glove level, by the way, and swing. He had Hunter Dozier on the on deck circle hitting 196. He couldn't walk, so it, the fact that he you know more home runs than we've ever seen a catcher hit, driving so many runs, yeah, his on base percentage wasn't 350, but he he's playing a game to win, so. We have to think about these things now. And we will when we do this show that Tom Berducci came up with. And Randy, you should be a panelist for it.
1: I love the idea. Hey, I don't want to bury the lead here. You believe, Greg Amsinger, MLB Network on 101 ESPN, that we will not miss a game?
0: I do not think we'll miss a regular season game. I do not believe that. All right. That's what we if, like to hear. If, if you guys want to, like, you know, clip that off and put it on your social media so people can be like, what does Amsinger know? He's wrong all the time you guys go right ahead and do that go right ahead and do that we use you every
1: week we, you're, you're our favorite <laughs> guest so we've always got a greg amzinger cut on the social media
0: <laughs> because i'm really good at putting my foot in my mouth. i'm really good at that
1: so uh one last thing 35 now and you're a 40 degree de- guy right if it gets above 40 are you out there
0: i played yesterday 41 degrees the greens were punched which in case you don't know what that means folks there are little holes in them to help the greens grow back and be nice and, and healthy and i gotta tell you i play great i shot at 85 in 41 degree weather with punched greens and i three putted three straight holes randy and i doubled 18 i'm getting long-winded here but i was really happy with my game in 85 in those conditions i i felt i couldn't feel my ears when i was done <laughs> but man I, I had a great time i had a great time proud of you brother All right, man. I'll talk to you guys later.